0: On the tee, uh, the award-winning golf swing thoughts, yeah, called uh, golf swing thoughts, golf uh, podcast called Swing Thoughts. You know what that is, Tim? That's like hitting it into the woods right off the, <laughs> right swinging, off the top. Really, <laughs> really smoothly, right off the That's first the best. tee. Literally starting the show by duck hooking it into the weeds. I got a lot of stuff going on here. It's Swing Thoughts, the award winning mental performance podcast now in year four. Great to be with you on TSN 1150 uh, in Hamilton. And of course, uh, you can download the program anytime you want. Go to uh, iTunes, Tim O'Connor, o'connorgolf.ca. Uh, Of course, uh, I'm Humble Howard, golf spiritual leader from the Humble and Fred show, humbleandfredradio.com. We've got a great guest on the program here. In a couple minutes, we're going to be speaking to uh, a uh, tour player, Rebecca Lee Bentham. As uh, as the Globe and Mail article says, uh, she seeks redemption and an LPGA return after a first run that was not fun at all. Uh, can't wait to dive into that Tim. Of course our uh, program is as always uh brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. Now uh I know you've got the uh, you got the TaylorMade uh clubs going and uh on the program today Tim's going to talk about what is the the your your best 9 holes of the year? Yeah, yeah, did la- yesterday in a match no less. Nice. Playing you know what one of the things we love about golf and I think it's universal it's not just it's nice to play well but there's something about playing well in competition that is especially uh, excellent and maybe rebecca can talk about that taylor made performance labs of course are open the all new sim and sim max drivers uh, reshape your game visit taylormadegolf.ca to learn about the new shape and motion family of taylor made products and i can tell you that hybrid uh, that everyone's talking about. is using it. I think Dustin Johnson used it. I, I had one of those experiences the other day where I hit it and it went farther than it should have. And I was like, ooh, technology.
1: <laughs> and you were good that it went over the green.
0: Oh, yeah. No, no, I went, it, it didn't, no, it didn't go over the green. It just went oh. further. I was trying to hit it, uh, to this spot and I was like, it's further than I expected it to be. But that's the genius of tailor-made technology. And uh, we'd like to uh, obviously thank them for their support. Um, our guest this morning's story is like a lot of uh, high-level athletes, high-level competitors, uh, who golf was everything. And then, like a lot of people, there's a, a period of disappointment and, and uh, not loving golf, you know, maybe the way she did Rebecca uh, Lee Bentham, thank you for joining us on this uh, program today.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having me today. How are you guys?
0: We're great. Um, just to give people some background, you 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 made it to the LPGA Tour. You were competing against the best players in the world in the 2013 Evian. You had a career uh, best finish. Um, you made some money and then you know, like a lot of people, you you became dissatisfied with the game.
2: Yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster ride. Uh, Throughout my junior career, amateur career, um, got a scholarship to the University of Texas, but opted to play professionally full time. So then I went to Q school, uh, I think it was back in 2011, finished ninth, and then pretty much lived the dream of getting on tour, playing against the girls that I grew up watching. Um, But obviously, it's not all glitz and glamour that everyone kind of sees on TV. It's a a grind. You're traveling week um, in, week out. Um, There's a lot of pressure to perform. You are playing against the best in the world. So if you're not performing, you're not making enough money to survive out there. Um, Then you got to go back to Q school, start all over again. So definitely a lot of ups and downs. It was a great um, moment when I finally got my tour card because I feel like I worked so hard for it um, throughout just my junior amateur career. Uh, I felt like I I sacrificed a lot to get to where I was. Um, But it wasn't as fun as I thought it would be, I guess, Um, because it was a grind. And to me the pressure kind of got to me that I had to perform week in and week out. I wasn't able to kind of live that normal childhood growing up with friends. So it got pretty lonely. Um, But yeah, so then that's when uh, 2016, the Canadian Open, um, the Women's Canadian Open was that last event that I played on tour and decided to kind of put down the clubs and try something new. And that's when I went into coaching.
1: Rebecca, you talk about the pressure. Maybe explain to us what was going on there. Was it a matter of you know I'm not making enough money? Is it just like the daily feeling of say tension in your body? What describe what that pressure was like?
2: I think it was because I was striving for perfection and I felt like I could never get there. So that mindset alone it was just kind of I was always down. Um, I was always I was kind of known to be one of the harder workers where I would be like the first on the range, last to leave, um putting in the hours um but it was tough because i felt like if i was putting in those hours i want to see the results right away and it wasn't always the case and for most golfers it's never the case you kind of it is a roller coaster ride for everyone right you see the gains and then you kind of go through a little bit of struggle you figure it out and then you you come back and you you get stronger um but, yeah, it was just hard because I would see kind of my friends doing really well out there on tour. They would be winning, and I would get down that. How come I'm not seeing the results that I want to see? So it was that constant battle.
0: You know, Rebecca, I, I'm i glad we started there because, you know, we talk about this with our listeners and our friends all the time, that tour players' lives aren't just what we see on TV Thursday through Sunday. You have to travel somewhere, maybe you didn't feel great. Monday, Tuesday you're working on things and you know, maybe it's going well, or maybe you didn't get enough sleep or maybe you don't like the hotel. But a lot of things contribute to the mindset of a good player or any player, and what I'm getting at is here we are amateurs expecting to be sharp every time we tee it up. But you professionals aren't. A lot of things go into, you know, making you giving you the mindset. Like, if you go back to, you know, the Evian Championship in 2013, who knows, maybe your body felt good that week, or you got enough sleep. You know what I'm getting at? That you had high expectations, and you did this for a living, and even then, it wasn't, you know, the same all the time. So why would an amateur golfer expect every weekend to be absolutely all right. perfect?
2: All right. So we hit balls day in, day out, hours, and it's just to see more consistency in our shots to get that confidence right so that when we're on the course we kind of kind of have like a zone where we're just like you know what this is the same thing we've been doing all day every day this shot doesn't mean more than another shot and then you get into this groove and that's where you kind of go low it's when you kind of just do what you're doing and you don't think too much and then you're like oh I'm like six under okay make another birdie okay just they're all the same shots and then you end up uh, with a really good score without overthinking it, where you're not trying so hard. And that bec- that comes from practicing, right? That's coming from being on the putting green day in, day out, hitting like three footers, 100 in a row, so that when you're out there, it's kind of just routine, you know?
1: But what you talked about a few minutes ago about striving for perfection, yeah. I, I feel that I'm a recovering perfectionist. And, but, and I think that anyone who excels at a high level of anything you know howard is a broadcaster you as a tour player you put in a lot of hard work you put in a lot of hours but i think that piece about striving for perfection um really is where so many people fall fall down because you cannot be perfect can you talk to me about that sense of trying to be perfect and then what changed for you so that you could be a, a bit more free?
2: Right. I think um, I think coaching has changed my perspective on that, the perfectionism. Um, just seeing all different types of swing, learning more about the swing. Um, there really isn't one way to swing, right? Which is what I was striving for. I was looking for that one perfect swing that I could repeat over and over. Um, but if you look at the best players in the world, everyone has their unique swing. They make it work. What matters more is like strategy to get that ball in the hole as quick as possible that's it right so uh, whatever's going to help you get there obviously if you have a wonky swing that you can't repeat then it's going to make it hard for you to score well so you do work on things but if something's not broken you don't need to fix it you got to work on just how to get that ball in the hole which i really enjoy now because i see it more as a game rather than trying to achieve perfection
0: you know it's interesting you say that because so many people look at tour players like you, and we've and we've had other you know players on our show that have talked similar to you. It's like if, if people they, they look at you and think oh like if only I could hit it like that, and you're thinking oh I just missed that, but you're yep. missed you missed it to the middle of the green. We don't know that on TV. Sometimes you'll hear the announcer go oh uh, Rebecca really pulled that one, and it's like twenty feet left instead of ten feet left. Whereas and so there's this misconception that all of you are hitting it great all the time you're not even in your best rounds of six and seven under there's not every shot was the the way it came it came off okay not amazing
2: yeah i would say my best rounds came from me not hitting it the best there are days where i feel so good on the range and i'm hitting it great all day but i end up with like a one or two over because my putting or game was a little off right the one or two greens i missed i, ma- I made bogey yeah but then those days where my swing isn't a hundred percent but my mentality is do the best you can with it and then i grind and then i'm making lots of putts out there my short game's on fire and then i end up shooting one of my best rounds so definitely it's the overall game it's a game of making sure your misses aren't too big that you can play with them and that's how you go low
1: So, Rebecca, what was the change in mindset that made you take another run at playing tour golf?
2: I think it's just that I started loving the game more. I kind of just started appreciating it through coaching, um, working with kids, seeing them develop, seeing um, just how much the game has to offer um, all around. And when I started just playing for fun with friends, I feel like when I started just betting for like 20 bucks here and there, the game became just a lot more enjoyable. Um, I didn't try to reach perfection. Like I said, I tried to just do the best I could with what I had. And I felt like my rounds were lower than I, I played on tour. Um, and I learned a lot through the process of, like, just becoming a better coach for my students. And I felt like my game improved. And then a series of events happened um, in 2018, the winter. And just this opportunities came up. Um, for me to go back out there and play and um, it was a lot of things that happened at once that I kind of felt like it was a sign and a push for me to give another go while I have the stamina while I'm still young enough I guess and um, yeah so I went for it went to Q school in 2019 um, played some other events just to prepare um, and yeah I just I thought I played one of the best seasons of my career.
0: So what 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 where is uh, what status do you have? Do you have uh, conditional LPGA status or Symmetra full-time?
2: Yeah, so right now I have full Symmetra status. Um, I went to Q School last year uh, starting at first stage. I came tied for fourth, and then I went to second stage um, and just missed out final stage by a shot. Um, I shot four under thinking that was going to be the number to get in, um, but I was in the morning wave. So I was waiting all afternoon to see the final scores come in. And then the final group, one of the girls kind of knocked all, all of us out. Um, So that was kind of disappointing, but um, that left me with full semester stats for 2020. So I just want
0: to talk a little bit about the uh, LPGA and and from time to time, I like to look and watch it because I I find it. First of all, I find the swings uh, great. I find that, I I find that we can relate as amateurs a little bit more to the numbers because, you know, even though they're spectacular and there's lots of long hitters out there, it just I love the way the 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 LPGA game is played. It's very, it's much more relatable. I think. Who are the players out there that you've played with or seen that are amazing and impressive? And talk a little bit about uh, Brooke Henderson, if you wouldn't mind.
2: Yeah. So I grew up watch, or I saw her grow up and play because I was really good friends with her sister Brittany growing up. Uh, we groomed together during Team Canada days and then Brooke was always just kind of following around and uh, we all kind of knew she was going to be like a force because she, she was working hard. So while we were playing our tournaments, she would be the only little girl just hitting shots on the range while we were playing our tournament and she would just be grinding it and kind of taking after her sister. So she had a good role model there. Um, and then while she was um, just before she turned pro we would have training camps that I would help out Team Canada with and I would play some rounds with her and just her ball striking alone it was incredible so um, she's definitely a hard worker Um, she definitely has games she's very competitive so I'm not surprised to see where she is now
1: Rebecca our show is largely not always but focused on the mental part of the game what do you think is Brooke Henderson's the strongest part of her game from that standpoint and maybe what have you learned or what what's your greatest strength
2: um when I look at her she definitely has a very strong mental game where um where she's set out to do something she's gonna do it um I like that about her um she is very competitive she grew up playing hockey also so I feel like people who play other sports generally have a very good mindset out there um But, yeah, that's kind of what I've learned, that you can only control what you can control. And as long as you do the best with that, um, you're going to see some results. If you try to kind of take on everything and things that you can't even control, that's going to kind of distract you from your goals.
0: When you play with amateur golfers from time to time, uh, men or women, do actually, let me just change the question I was going to ask you, because I think this is interesting. Do you see a difference in the way that men and women – approach the game from a mental standpoint? Like, I I don't know the answer. I'm curious. Do you find a difference?
2: It's interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know enough Um, from the men's perspective, per se. um Well,
0: men are big, whiny babies. Let me just put it that way. We're just big, sucky, whiny babies, bitching, whining all the time. Are women like that?
1: Yeah, and we're always (laughs) worried. What are guys going to think of us? Oh, my gosh, am I taking too long?
0: Because the male ego is very fragile. You've already figured that out. You've lived on the planet for a while. So I'm just curious, how does the female ego manifest itself in a golf scenario?
2: so interesting. I think everyone's just different. I've seen all types of different people, um, men and women. Like, I have play with men who aren't so egotistic. I played with some that are very, um, who care so much about what other people are thinking, some that don't care, that don't give a, you know? And then for women, I would say women are very considerate of others, like, around them. So, like, on tour, they're very good with things they'll take the time. Like I would say 99% of women will take the time to talk to their fans, sign an autograph, um, be more personable. Whereas I've heard on the men's side, not so much. The men were kind of, they would walk away from fans. Mm. Um, they, a lot of, uh, amateurs or a lot of fans will say that they prefer watching an LPGA tournament over men. Um, they get to see more. They could, like you said, they can relate more to the shots. They learn more, And then the females are just really friendly.
1: All right. Rebecca, Rebecca, I'm interested in when you're preparing for a tournament, kind of what's your process of getting yourself geared up mentally prepared for, for an event?
2: Uh, I think it's just gaining confidence. That's what practice is for. So when I'm practicing, I'm trying to repeat good feels, um, kind of have good thoughts when I'm playing and then try to translate that into tournament mode. And, for me I try my best to um think of a tournament round just like I was playing just like a practice round or a regular round. I try not to um put pressure on myself in that way too much.
1: I love that that you don't inflate the importance of this shot over another shot. And I think that's no. something where a lot of people struggle. Even Rory McIlroy used to struggle with that. He said that you know, like he would identify if you shot 74 He's a good person, shoot not a good person, sixty four, a great person. Have you yeah. ever had that? Did, did you just put oh, yeah. that yourself?
2: Think, yeah. So I would identify myself with what I shot that day. So if I had a great round under par, I'd feel great and I'd be happy that day. Next day I'd shoot over par and then I would think I was the worst person. But yeah. everything I did went was for vain and I was like, Oh, why am I here? <laughs> Um, so it's definitely hard mentally, but now I do not identify myself with what I shoot and has nothing to do with it. Um, I All I can do is try my best. So I focused on one shot at a time and uh, it's, it's fun for me now. It's, it's just a golf shot. And then whatever I shoot, I shoot. Some days I know are going to be lower than others and the days that are high, I always try to take a part of it and learn from it. And then that makes me better.
0: Well, you know, this is, uh, Rebecca, that's a great, a great, um, way of looking at it. Cause a lot of people, uh, this is the time of the year. Uh, a lot of men and women listening will be playing in their club championships. And for a lot of them, it's the only or first and only tournament that they'll play in in a year. And Tim and I often joke, you can always tell when it's club championship time because guys you see that have never been in the putting green, <laughs> they've yeah. never, they haven't practiced chipping all year. All of a sudden they're trying to find their short game. So right. for those people listening, and we're going to talk about more of this in our next segment, but for those people listening, What's a tour player's just a quick piece of advice if you're going into your club championship, whether you're in the champ flight or in D flight? doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, you definitely have to prepare more than the day of. It's just like a studying for an exam. Um, you got to put in the work beforehand. Um, if you're going to play a tournament, play a lot of rounds, I would say. don't. So for me, I used to be someone who would hit balls forever on the range. I would rarely play rounds for fun or for practice. Um, I would spend hours in the putting green, and then I'd go play tournaments. But I kind of regret that. So I wish I would kind of balanced it out more with playing on the course. Right. That's different. Um, so that is one thing that I would change, and that is something I do more now. So if I do have an event, I try to get more rounds out rather than just be bold. Well, I think
1: that's I- the best <laughs> advice we've ever gotten. No, I'm no
2: I was going to
0: say that's have, very much have like fun and play golf. Yeah, like Michael, he- <laughs> one of our friends of the show, Michael Hebron, who's a very famous teacher, you know, he talks in, in one of his books, it's called play golf to learn golf, play yeah. the game. Exactly. Because what you just said is like, you'll see a bunch of these uh, people getting ready. It's like they're cramming for an exam that they left too late.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes, <laughs> exactly. And Rebecca, what a uh, pleasure to uh, have you on our show. Rebecca Lee Bentham. Thank you so much. Uh, all the best to you and, and success. And, and hopefully when... All of this COVID stuff starts to work itself out. And you get a chance to go out and try uh, try your new attitude. Yeah, for sure. Working on it. <laughs> Tim, any right. final thoughts for our friend Rebecca?
1: Oh, just thanks a lot, Rebecca. It's great to see. Um, yeah, coming back to redemption. You know, you, you you struggled with your golf, and you've you've got some a new mindset, and it's just uh, really lovely to
0: see you um, enjoying yourself.
1: And uh, all the best out there. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. Oh,
0: quickly, just before you go though, have you ever been uh, at a golf uh, situation where some man comes up and goes, "Oh, I don't want to play with the girl," and then you dust him and shoot sixty-seven and say, "Eat it."
2: I've seen. They haven't said it out loud, but I've seen patients <laughs> that look like, "Oh man, she's going to slow us down." And then they see my first shot, and they're like, "Whoops, shouldn't have said anything to my partner." <laughs> no, and exactly. And then they ask me for tips. And
0: then they ask me for lessons. Oh, yeah, exactly. I can see a girl come up. Oh, I can't. We're going to have to play with her. And then all of a sudden, you're at the back tees, ripping it by them. <laughs> that they, must be fun. Thanks, Rebecca. Fun. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.
2: William. All
0: right. There's uh, yeah. Rebecca. Just, uh, well, say end meeting, and you just say goodbye. And we're going to continue here. Let me see. What kind right. of, Yeah, I can see you later now.
2: All right. Bye. See you. All right.
0: All um, right. That was great. Coming up in our uh, next half hour here on TSN 1150, Tim's going to talk about his best nine of the year and in competition. I'm going to talk to you about the worst score I've shot this year. Um, As well, we're going to break down what's going on with uh, Canada's, one of Canada's other most decorated golfers, along with Brooke Henderson and Mike Weir, making his Champions Tour debut this weekend. And what what Tim, what we think... uh, what kind of what kind of career do you think he's going to have? You know that kind of thing. It'll be fun. Yeah. Also, uh, we got about ninety seconds here, so uh, we can talk. You know, I want to tell a story too about what comes first: attitude. Uh, attitude produces the swing. You know, um, mindset producing results. And maybe we can talk that in a, from a coaching standpoint. Cause I, I saw something last night. I went, Oh, I got to write that down and run it by Tim. Because I think what, what a lot of golfers, even good ones, they just miss that connection, Tim, that the, the idea that how you're feeling at any given time in a round really impacts what kind of golfer you're going to be at that moment. Absolutely. The,
1: the, <laughs> The most crucial component to, to success in anything is your mindset. Yeah. Absolutely, bar none. You can have all the skill in the world, the best salesman, uh, the best VP of uh of uh, finance uh, Best golfer But if your mindset Is not right um,
0: You're going to have A hard time uh, Stick around All this and more On the uh, next segment Of Swing Thoughts Today brought to you by As always TaylorMadeGolf TaylorMadeGolf.ca And we'll be right back Sound of the river You're stopping you whole
1: everything A band is blowing Dixie Double ball time
0: And uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, the show is called Swing Thoughts. I wanted to get that correct at the beginning of the show. I completely bobbled that. Uh, this is uh, Humble Howard along with Tim O'Connor, o'connorgolf.ca, humbleandfredradio.com. Uh, Tim is a mental performance coach, and I'm a. Uh, I'm an avid golfer with uh, mental performance issues.
1: well, <laughs> yeah, I think this—I think this nine's got off to a little
0: smoother start. Yeah, than, exactly. In the front, <laughs> um, uh, this program has uh, been supported by our friends at TaylorMade Golf for a long time. The all-new Sim and Sim Max Fairway uh, Woods are great. Experience lower center of gravity, higher launch. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn about the V Steel Soul. And multi-material construction. Uh, These are sweet. These are sweet irons. They're sweet fairway. Uh, Woods or metal things, they're called. What do they call them on TV? They always... um, Oh, I think they're referred to as implements. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of TV, uh, it's weird. Um, I know hockey came back this week. Did you watch any hockey? No, because I'd canceled all my my sports uh, TV things. So I had to call Rogers yesterday. Can you please add sports that, like, oh, little I'll get back. Uh Major League Baseball having some trouble. The Marlins coming down with uh, COVID. Uh, they have to... That's. I think what's going to happen with uh, the MLB is they, I think they're going to have to spend their season again. But that's for a different time. Watching golf with no... show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watching golf with no uh, gallery... I'm fine with it. Uh, I oh, like too, hearing right? the players talk, and although you notice that it has become more, it seems as the six weeks have gone by, especially last weekend. Who won last weekend? Uh, John Rom. John Rom. No, it was two weeks ago.
1: No, that's you're right. Did who won?
0: You know, it's the kind of show. What was that? Oh, Thompson. It was yeah, Michael Thompson Michael Thompson. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, if, um, one of the books that we've re- referenced on this show is a book called Golf from Point A. And in that book, they talk about working with Michael Thompson. And I was oh, happy to yeah. see him. He, cause he is a 35 year old, and now on the tour, that seems like an ancient veteran player, especially playing with 21 and 22 year olds. But, uh, I like the way he works his way around the golf course, you know? Oh, yeah. You know what? I was really noticing his pre-shot routine. Yeah. He made sure he
1: was ready. He settled over the ball. He just seemed relaxed. And when he was ready to pull the trigger, he did. And uh, every swing was just nicely, um, I don't know,
0: controlled is the wrong word. Good rhythm on every swing.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He just let her go, and and uh, I just thought he plotted his
0: way around that golf course really nicely. You know, you described the fact that he didn't hit the shot until he was comfortable and ready. And, uh, you know, you could say the same thing about, you know, Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus especially. I was watching the Golf Channel uh, did this thing. It was very interesting. I, it was basically um, a fantasy Open Championship. I'm not sure if you saw it, but what they did is they cut in, was really well edited, and they made it seem like all these great players were playing against each other at St. Andrews. So it was Nicholas and Tiger in one group and and Faldo and, and Ballesteros. But watching Nicholas, particularly, you forget just how methodical he was over every shot and and you you read about what he would say he'd say I never hit a shot until I was ready. And that's something for all of us to I mean again you don't want to be slow but a lot of times we just get over the ball and hit it quickly hoping that it will go somewhere nice, you know. Yeah, exactly. But but he was so in- invested in being comfortable before he pulled the trigger. Yeah. Well, one
1: thing real quick, one thing that people don't many people don't realize is that he went down the fairways like a freight train. <laughs> he moved quickly. So he didn't waste time. Yeah. Over the ball. Yeah. And so for a lot of people, I yeah, was slow, et cetera. But, yeah, he is such a great example of someone who just allowed himself to sort of gather himself over the ball and just kind of like feel into his body engage with the target and then it would just kind of happen but it was never done never sped up he was always in con- he was
0: always in control yeah um, now let's talk about uh, last night's uh, match it was uh, Tim O'Connor and another gentleman uh, whose combined ages were like 130 against the uh, you know the- that's low you know. <laughs> It's not. Oh no! Yeah, it's exactly. You were sixty three. Your partner sixty seven. Yeah, it's one thirty. Oh, that is one thirty. Okay. Yeah, math never strong suit. And (laughs) you were against some nasty, some gang of twenty somethings, the kids. Yeah, these kids they had uh,
1: motorcycle helmets and everything. No. Uh, Yeah, they were like I think twenty six and twenty nine. I think. And like you could, you could plant a strip mall between their balls and ours. We play, we laugh. He says, "Guys, we play old man golf, dink, <laughs> dink." But we can find it, yeah, all the time. And uh, yeah, it was really, it was a fun match. Michael Brandwith is a great guy to, to play golf with. But um, yeah, for me, I it was my best round of the best nine of the year on the front and all i was doing uh and this is a connection we were talking about before the show honestly all i was doing was uh particularly particularly with my drives i would just put the tailor made logo so i would it was facing me kind of on an angle and i would just look at that and swing and that was it just and i couldn't believe how well i was hitting i was just releasing uh, I get they kept telling me great tempo dude Mm -hmm. and uh just found pretty well every fairway and um and even putting I I was doing that thing we talked about before the show I was just looking at the ball finding something fascinating there and just staying with that Mm -hmm. and as I putted um goodness I made a lot of sweet you know six and eight footers for par and one for bird and Worked out rather nicely. So, what, what, the do easiest you look,
0: round of golf that I ever, the easiest nine I ever played. So what was they Do you want to tell the audience the score, Mr.? 37. Very nice. Yeah. Now, um, well, because when you're not thinking about, and again, respectfully, when you're not thinking about how fast you're moving your torso, yeah. and, and I say that respectfully, because that is something to work on. If that's something you're working on, great. But yeah. in the actual playing of the game, you know, I always use the uh, the ping-pong analogy. If you're trying to hit a little cutter that just barely gets over the net, in that moment, you're not thinking about how to do that. You're just thinking, oh, I'm going to do that, you know? And, I, and and same way with your golf swing last night. You know, like, well, I'm going to stare at the Made logo and just take a swing at that. But what you're doing is so... Rich in that moment because you're giving up all thoughts and of controlling of moving of movement. You're just going uh, ball club. Tim hit go. You know that's all there is. And target and and target target target. for sure. Absolutely.
1: You know just based on okay, I want it to go over here uh, because I think that's a good spot. And if I maybe tug it a bit, I'm still going to be on the green. A lot of that stuff that we happen for us on our little uh, playing lesson with uh, golf spiritual leader about two or three weeks ago that's still paying huge dividends about hitting shots playing to to places not being all caught up in my internal oh what should I be doing with my swing thing but playing out there as uh, dr red tells us and and where do I want this to go
0: it's uh, I'm just I'm really enjoying golf right now well, and I think for a lot of people, you know, it's it's one thing to think, okay, this week I saw this thing on Instagram, and I'm going to do this, <laughs> oh, and yeah. that's going to be great. And, and again, there's, there's nothing wrong with working on, you know, help, helping to maybe make your motion better. But, you know, Rebecca talking about when you're scoring well, like you did last night, you know, there's a different feeling. It's like it seems to be coming easy to you, and it's not – this is what I want to get into – it's not because you were swinging well that it was easy. Because you were thinking well, it made the swing easy. Yeah, because you well weren't said. thinking about, you know, externally rotating your your right shoulder on the way back. You know, you were thinking about, okay, that's kind of where I want to hit it. And now, when I'm over the ball, I'm going to take a whack at this and see what happens. That's right. And for some weird reason, my buddy Henrik always says this: good follows good. You have a good intention, and even if it doesn't come off perfectly, it comes off okay. And Absolutely. as you said, every once in a while you sink an eight voter you make a good shot. Oh look! But in the meantime, your not so perfect shots weren't so bad.
1: Absolutely, and uh, Rebecca, that connects right to what Rebecca said: is that every once in a while um, things line up, putts go in, and you shoot you know, at her level, you know, sixty seven. And Some days, doesn't happen, yeah. and you shoot seventy three. But it's okay because that's the game. Some days they go in, some days they don't, and it it really sounds almost childish. But that's th- that's this game of golf, and, and and I think that if we can have a mindset of you know I can accept whatever happens today, you know if I if I've done my best in terms of my preparation and I've got a good mindset and I've done those things that I can control like she talked about controlling process because you can't control where the ball's going and if you can just play with a
0: level of acceptance the game just becomes like she said I love the fact she says golf is more fun yeah well, I can relate to it because I spent so much time, like a lot of people listening, oh. so much time and aggravation and energy trying to make my golf swing as reliable as it could be so that nothing bad would ever happen. And I can tell you from the last couple of years, again, you know, I had a lot of success last summer for me uh, in where I placed in these tournaments. But I've had some success this year because the process of getting rid of my golf game, golf swing and... In, in, Exchange for playing a game that doesn't always work out. I, I, you know, I was going to tell you my story of having my highest score of the year, but I will in a minute. I'm just saying that golf golf intention produces the swing, not the other way around. If your exactly. intention is to hit. You know, it's a 160 yard par three downhill and the pins on the left, but you're saying, I just want to hit it somewhere on the green. I'm going to start it on the right side and maybe draw it. That's something because I can't believe how many people, myself included, would be playing this game without any notion of where it's going. Or, Or better than that, any intention.
1: Yeah, I used to constantly, I think we talked about this a few few weeks ago. I remember standing over chip shots and going, okay, I'm going to make sure my weight's <laughs> forward, my left my left wrist is firm, my right wrist is hinged, and then hit it and it finishes 20 feet short because, oh my gosh, it was uphill. Yeah. I didn't notice that. It's, again, which Dr. Ed Collin, who, you know, friend of show, he says, be out there. It's like you're talking about playing the game. And I just want to make this point. So we've been doing this show 4 years now. Yeah. And I've heard you years past say talk about playing the game. And you know what I kind of went, yeah, that sounds fine, but you know, I didn't really Now I get it. It just takes some time. It's like you know, It's like I've used this example before. It's like I'll say something to to my wife Sandy. You know, I think we should do this. She goes, I've been telling you that for 3 <laughs> no, years. I know.
0: No, I know. Yeah, but I heard it from Howard. Now I get it. <laughs> you know, I I um you know i'm preparing for the club championship this weekend uh have to play with these kids i uh, my handicap puts me in the championship flight but i you know these are really young men who you know just like you described there's they hit it so much further my but but handicap wise i'm close but I was preparing. In preparation, I've started playing the back tees in my golf course. And the other day, I went out for nine holes by myself with two balls, just because I wanted to get a, a sense again. I played, I played it there before. I wanted to get a sense of where I need to be on some of the longer holes. So i give you an example. A uh, sixth hole on... Uh, Leithfield at Glencairn from the back tees is 472 yards. And I noted as I was playing the 5th hole that the the pin was a blue pin at the back of the green, so it's 490 and to make the story better, it was into the wind. So I'm looking at the hole thinking, "Okay. I can't get there in 2. I just can't." I'm sorry as good a golfer as I am, I don't have the firepower I just can't do it. So I have to decide, okay, there's a bunker at about 245, so I can't carry it into the wind. I can carry it with the wind. But on that day, I said to myself, what can I do to make the lowest score on this hole? So I chopped up the hole and went, okay, just get it in play, so don't put it in the bunker. So I did. I kind of necked one out there about 250. And then I had whatever it was to the green, I guess, uh, 220 to the green, 250 or 245. So I said to myself, you know, I don't hit your three wood, because that might go awry. Oh, so I hit... Go anywhere. <laughs> it could Well, it could. Yeah. You know, if I hit a nice one, I might be able to rip it to the front of the green, but it still isn't going to get to the flag. So I hit six iron. I hit six iron, and I was about, I don't know, 50 yards, 60 yards short. And then I hit a very nice pitch to four feet and made the four. Sweet. With my second ball, I did I did a similar thing and I didn't quite get it to the front. I pitched up to about eight feet, missed it, and made a five. And so I looked at it and I went, okay, for that hole, I averaged four point five, which is what kind of what it is for me. It's not a par five, it's not a par well, it is a par five. If I could get four and a half on that hole in three days of competition, I'd be fine. And so that's playing the game. It has nothing to do with my ego, because my ego would have said a couple years ago, you know, you're close to scratch, you should be able to hit the green and two. I can't. I no. just can't do it. So knowing that, it's sort of taken the pressure off, and there's four or five holes in the 27 at Glen Karen that are like that for me, that standing on the tee, I have to figure out a way not to make worse than bogey. And, that, stuff. and that, for what? a lot of people listening, whatever that number for you is, not worse than double or whatever, that really is the key. It's like you gotta say to yourself, this is a hard hole. Not all the holes are the same.
1: Yeah, and that reflects right back to what we talked as we started this segment or ended the last one, whatever, about mindset. Mindset dictates pretty well everything. So you've decided with that number six at Leithfield that you're playing it like a par four and a half. Yeah. So from that standpoint, it's just everything kind of just the tension just kind of eases away. You're not as emotionally volatile. You put it out there. You hit one to the front of the green. You put, That sounds like a pretty easy way to play a golf hole, really, as compared to, oh, my gosh, par four. Got to do this. Got to keep up with the kids. Got to hit this in two, blah, blah, blah. That just makes it easier. And, and again, connecting. What's fun about doing this podcast is that we c- can connect dots between guests. Carl Morris on yeah. last week. He talked about Tiger par with his original coach, Rudy Duran. You know, some holes would be a par seven for Tiger. And that allowed him to, to play. And, you know, and it just makes it easier. Like on my on my own course, Blue Springs, I play, uh, when I'm playing from the Golds, I play number eight as a 4.5 and number 10 as a
0: 4. Actually, I play. Yeah, I was going to say probably. number <laughs>
1: Play number, number ten two. is
0: a four point five from from every tee. Yeah, yeah, every tee. Uh, honestly, <laughs> whenever you bring up your golf course, which is Blue Springs, I'm always like that tenth hole is too hard, man. <laughs> um, just a quick couple rapid fire things because I, I I just texted uh, my girlfriend and said we're going to be a little bit late. I got to get on a call with her, but so I want to talk a little bit about Mike Weir. Uh, yeah. over the years, I'm sure you, I've met him, you've met him. Um, he starts his Champions Tour career this weekend. What are your thoughts? I think he could be awesome. I really do. He won eight PGA yep.
1: Tour events, uh, including the Masters at two thousand and three. It's not a fluke. Why he's a he's a very smart, smart player, good ball striker. Yeah, he's battled some injuries, and you know, as he got older, yeah, it was tough. You know, he's he was never the longest guy, and now when he's like forty six and forty seven. The odd time he got on the tour, these guys are just blasting it by him. I just think he's going to be way more comfortable. He's going to be with guys who he likes hanging with, Yeah, um, all of that. I, I think that he could be amazing out there.
0: I agree. Uh, we had Tim on the Humble and Fred show a couple of days ago because I wanted to get Tim's thoughts as a guy that's covered the game. Um I totally agree. I, I think people don't realize... As these golfers get older, the kids coming up get younger. You know, I had this thought the other day watching a tour event. You know, Matthew Wolf, uh, Victor Hovland, uh, Morikawa, they're like 21, 22. I wonder what, like, Jordan Spieth and uh, guys in their late, Tony Finau. They're only 27 and 30 and 26, but they got to look at these kids and go, they're just hitting it so long. Exactly. Oh, and that's the thing. Again, that's going to work for for Mike
1: is that the uh, Champions Tour courses are going to be like sixty nine to seventy one hundred, yeah. as opposed to seventy four seventy six on the on the Big Boy Tour. So it's going to work to Mike's strengths. Uh, always a very you know he was called not very the most exciting player, but those guys when you plod yourself yeah. away on the course and then it fits in exactly what we've been talking about the last few weeks is when you plot yourself away, pick your spots, you know, you know, this is a green light special. Go for it with wedge in hand here. I'm just playing for
0: safety, man. You can, you can put some amazing scores together. And, and I think he's the kind of guy that, uh, a little bit like, you know, Hale Irwin is, uh, You know, a lot of people may not remember, but he had an amazing Champions Tour career. Um, Oh, my gosh. Bernard Longer, I think, has won 41 (laughs) or 42 times, but Hale Irwin won 45 times. That means after turning 50, I think, Mike, we're maybe maybe not at that level, but I think he's going to have a very nice career out there uh, precisely for what you just uh, articulated. Yeah, it's it's going to be
1: really fun to watch Mike out there. And, um, you know, he's also, he's been through a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah unfortunately, the marriage didn't go uh, so well. Uh, he's had some injuries. But I think that he's in a really good spot. Um, you know, so I I think he could do really well.
0: Yeah, I do too. Um, You know, i just just uh, taking it back to playing with the kids this weekend that I, I'm going to play. You know, my expectations are fairly tempered. Even though my coach always says, he's, oh, they're just men playing golf. And I go, I know. But I played with a couple of them last night on our men's night. And uh, we played the back tees. And in my golf course, that's about 6,900 yards. And uh, <laughs> this is two, two quick things. So we're playing. These are two par five stories. So one of them is on Leithfield. It's a short par five. It's 500 yards. And I... I got up first on the tee, and I'm playing with three other guys from the back tees, all who hit it, a tremendous amount. And um, if if you're a 60-year-old person and you haven't played with a a 30-year-old recently, it's pretty gross. So I get up, and I hit the good one, the good old guy. (laughs) And these are guys that I know And I killed it I go, you see that? That's called That's old man ripping You know, I get all excited I go, that's old man ripping it And my buddy Graham goes That's You call that ripping it? I go, that's all I got, man And he gets up And he hits it Well, here's the thing So it's a par five I hit it 295 yards I had 205 to the green And I had to use I think I hit four iron Because it was downwind Graham and Mike Marshall who's our head pro who also yeah. just crushes the ball it's just you haven't if you haven't seen it up close it's gross these guys are both 50 and 60 yards ahead of me and here's the problem with that is i had driver 4 iron and on the other par 5 where i killed it i had driver hybrid Both of these guys on both of those holes. This is a true story. On the first par five, they both had niner wedge in. On the second par five, on the back nine, again, downwind, I thought I killed it. I got hybrid. uh, One of the kids hit gap wedge to the green. Now, we both made four, Tim, but that's not the story. The story is that's the difference in Mike Weir's world. I -hmm. can't get it as close with my four iron and hybrid as those guys can get it with their wedges. And that's what Mike, Mike from age 40 on, that's what he was facing. You
1: you, you hit it right away. So he's going to be swinging with a lot more freedom and having fun. And he's not going to have that sort of, oh, I'm I'm also playing with the kids. Hey, before we go, you're also mentioning that. So you've come off and you've had this amazing year so far. I'm just thinking like, boy, you can just swing and have fun uh, you your club so you already won the senior club seat but um you were mentioning that you so you've had this all this great success including winning the, winning the senior division of the invitational but you just had your worst score of the of the year
0: yeah yeah last saturday i had my uh, highest score doesn't matter what it is um and i'll tell you i just feel like, i hate i hate saying it because it sounds like i'm a dink but uh you know, I shot a number for me, which is pretty high. You know, I, I shot, uh, anytime I shoot over 80 is a little bit of an outlier. Okay, but you're a scratch golfer. Right, so, so I shot, shot 83. Don't... Yeah, so you're a scratch golfer. So early, early in the round, I could right. tell, I, I, I was swinging very nicely, but I, 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 I hit 14 greens in regulation and had 41 putts. It's a lot. It's a lot of putts. I was you know, I've been working on my putting and I had one of those days where I just couldn't get the ball in the hole. But very early on in the round I thought, this is a beautiful day. I was because I was nice. the first three putt, I was like, Ugh. Yeah. You know, I've been practicing, why do I have to feed hat? <laughs> why do I have to be about I don't want to three butt. The whining, yeah. the, the grovelling. You know, I, I, I I have this move where sometimes I hit myself in the back with my putter. Yeah. It's a thing I do. <laughs> But early on in the round, I thought, you know, it's just, it's too beautiful a day. Yep. Well said. I I think we're going to, I can't, I'm, I'm, I've lost track of the time. So we are going to have time for a quick podcast extra. I just sent Rachel a note. So I think we're going to have to end this now. And if it's early, well, so be it. Um, Because I've, because of the way we recorded it today, I didn't time it. So uh, once again, we're, (laughs) once again, the show is ending like it began. Um, okay, so uh, whatever this is, thanks very much to TSN. Thanks to uh, Swing Thought. I mean, thanks to uh, a Made Golf. Thanks to Rebecca O'ConnorGolf.ca, Humble and Fred Radio. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> you get a shiver in the dark. It's raining in the park. meantime,
1: down of the river, you're stopping, you hold everything.
0: I honestly have no idea if we were on time there, uh, but we do have some time for a little podcast extra. That's why I want to tell the story. Um, it was a great show. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Thirty seven is nice, Sarah. Uh, front nine at, at uh, Blue Springs. That's a good score. Yeah, I, it was. It was. Uh,
1: it was fun. I, I, I honestly didn't know. I knew I was. I knew I was like in the territory, but I didn't know exactly because it's yeah. match play. You yeah. know, that's not the most important thing. The most
0: important thing is how we're doing as a team. You know, sometimes in match play, because you know that it's not about the number, it's about the number that wins the hole, sometimes I think, for me at least, it frees me up a bit. Because I go, oh. it really doesn't matter if you make a seven, because if they make an eight, you win the hole. So it does kind of free you up mentally. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. I remember my dad and I, like
1: 20, 25 years ago, having, maybe longer than that, but we had a match. And... Uh, I think he beat me one up or something and we sat down in the lounge to have a beer and it was like dad goes oh I shot 75 Mm. and you shot 77 (laughs) and you know it's it it, it just again connecting to what Rebecca said Mm -hmm. we just go out if it's about having fun and then competing and and being just in that zone of okay he just hit it here uh, well, then I want to hit it here. And, oh, he's probably going to make this putt. Yeah. I love that match play thinking, you know, like a bunch of times yesterday, guys had these guys had looked at birdie or par and I just went, he's going to make this. Yeah, you have he's to think that way. This. And anyways, that, it's so much fun.
0: So I got started on, uh, this is last Saturday, uh, playing the blues, not the backs. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, I I, I I recognize also I didn't sleep very well. This is back to what we were talking about with Rebecca. I didn't sleep very well the night before. I'd played a uh, good tournament Monday. Uh, Wednesday on men's night, I shot even par. Thursday, I shot one over at Greystone. So here I am Saturday. I've been working on my putting all week. Even though I'd had some good rounds, I was working on my putting. And uh, come Saturday, you know, I three-putted a couple times early, but my ball striking was okay. That's the other takeaway, is that on a day where I wasn't scoring well, I shot 83 and I putted a lot. You know, I had a lot of practice (laughs) putting, but I still could get my golf ball around the course because I would three-putt and go to the next tee and go, well, here's a new hole. Where do I want to hit it? And this connects to what happened uh, with one of the people I played with last night, who's a very good player. Six or seven handicap, but he hits it really long. So we were playing the back nine, I think at 10, 11. So it's the 12th hole of the round, and he's got a 15-foot putt downhill, and he four-putts it. And then he gets up on the next tee, the one that the par five or the two kids I played with hit it another 50 or 60 by me, it was pretty impressive. Like I see a lot of good players, but this was like the kind of golf ball squishing <laughs> that uh, is almost intimidating. It's like Ew. And, and 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 drives that they should. It's so high they should like have a flight plan. Oh yeah. Well, well, Marshall's ball uh, flight is very just it, it's aggressive <laughs> anyway. It is. It's just aggressive. Just penetratingly. He's a big guy. He's a strong man, and he just aggressive so (laughs) but this guy the six handicap or whatever he four putts the hole and then he gets up on the next day and he blows it right and then he makes a triple or a double and then he calms down and then he makes a nice par and then he pars it makes some good good shots so we're talking about it after the round and and he just didn't seem to get that because he said oh i wasn't upset i just made a bad swing And all Mm -hmm. I was trying to say to him, because he's playing in the club championship this weekend in one of the other flights. I just said, you know, when I have made a high score or had something happen, like I make a nine, as I have in tournaments, I said, I I talked about Carl Morris. I said, you know, the 10-step rule. And I said, when I've had an especially stinging thing, like I played the uh, Canadian Mid-Am in Victoria and four-putted twice. So I said to him, all I would submit to you is that maybe what you could have done there differently is taken a little more time because in golf, it's not about following a bad experience with an amazing one. All you need to do is hit something in play to settle you down. But for, I just couldn't seem to convince him that the bad yeah. swing came from usually, no, I wasn't upset. I go, "Yeah, maybe not mm-hmm. visibly, but you, you you basically got up in the next hole and what we all want to, we all, it's human nature. We want to quickly erase the bad thing. The problem is you need to take a reset moment, you know? You need to kind of just go, okay, I fucking four-putted. Now, what am I going to do here? I just need to do something okay. Even if you just skank it out there 230 yards, it's better than hitting it out of play. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's <clears> so <some> mature. <throat> <laughs> well, no, but that's that's the secret. That from, but that
1: comes from experience. And again, that comes back to mindset. You know, you, know, you just, you had the mindset, you know, you, you've been through enough of these experiences to know that when you have like one of those horrible things happen, you have to like take a moment and kind of like, hey, what's happening for me right now? And this yeah. connects to exactly what I've been saying in these webinars I've been doing is people can just ask themselves, what am I paying attention to? And what am I feeling in my body, and and I'm, I I can almost guarantee that that if the guy you played with last night asked himself what am I feeling in my body, it would be a lot of tension, and and then he'd be able to go, oh, I'm feeling tension. All right, so what's going to happen? Well, he just
0: naturally relax a bit. Yeah. Well, and 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 again, his point he kept trying to, he kept saying, well, you know, I wasn't mad, I just didn't make a good swing, and I'm like, okay, uh, fine that. Your, your bad swing is a result of what you were thinking. <clears throat> you know, I, I also had a lot of putts last night. We played the back tees, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, for men's night in preparation for the club championship. And uh, again, I hit 14 greens in regulation from 6,900 yards, which is, you know, for me, I thought that was pretty good. That's impressive. That's uh, no, no getting around it. That's really good ball striking. Really good ball striking. Decent, you know. Not not amazing. Just, you know. But I had a lot of long putts, Tim. I had right. a lot of. Yep. That's, I had I had I had more thirty five and forty footers than say I would have to because on some of those longer par fours, no matter how good I hit it, I'm not even talking about Leithfield. I'm just talking about. Like the ninth hole, at Leith. I usually hit three wood. Excuse me. From the blue tees, I'll hit three wood, seven iron, eight iron, something. Well, I got to hit driver into the wind, and I had a four iron into the green. So that was my round last night, and I three putted four times. The reason it didn't really freak me out too much is I, you know, three of those three putts, three of the four three putts, pardon me were from 45 and 50 feet. And on tour, That's they right. three-putt those. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just did. some schmo. So that didn't bug me too much. And I had a couple of six-footers for birdie that I missed. But it was a nice round of 78. It it wasn't what it could have been, but I'm sort of like accepting of it. But here's where I'm getting at. So we get to the last hole. <clears throat> I, I apologize. I've been talking for four hours. We get to the last hole, and here's the, the last thing I want to say as a cautionary takeaway for our audience. Because we've all had this experience. So I get on the last screen. It's a par five. I'm on in three, but I got a tricky 25-footer. The greens were a little faster than I've been used to. I thought I hit a nice putt, and it goes six feet by the hole. And, you know, when you've had a... A pattern in a round of golf, or even if it's the last hole, sometimes we just go, we quickly just want to get that out of the way. Yeah. You know, because everyone's waiting around and, you know, the round's over. But back to what Rebecca said, that no shot is any more or less important than any other shot in a round of golf. So I purposely made myself market. I went through my entire routine and I knew... It was weird because it's not what you'd expect from somebody on their last putt of a day. But I said to myself, I'm going to give this as much attention as I would if it was for 69 or whatever I would fantasize about a good round being. And I'm, I did it all. And I, cause I said to myself, I'm not going to miss this because I didn't give it enough attention or I was embarrassed because here I go again. Could have been my fifth three putt of the round. And, of course, to make it a great story, I sank the putt. But I I was giving myself every opportunity to make it. Now, if I had missed it, at least I would have said to myself, all right, that's fine. But you didn't just throw it away because you were. I was a little bit embarrassed, like, shit, here I go again. That would have been, by the way, that would have been my fourth putt on that nine, which I shot 38 on. Because I shot 40 38. So my point is it's sometimes you just have to step away and and, and give yourself the, the time it takes to because we all do it. you know we've all done that what I described we've all done it. yeah but it also isn't
1: that's to me that's taking advantage of this opportunity to play golf. And to have fun, so instead of being this petulant brat, which I have been much uh, to my chagrin this season, so rather than oh my god, here we go again, wah wah wah, you went. I'm going to give this my full attention. Golf is what you love to do. You just love playing golf. So on that last putt, you were playing golf in its fullest sense. You were completely engaged in what you were doing. You were
0: in the moment. Let's and and that sounds like fun to me. Yeah, and, and and the other thing too is whatever number you're shooting. At least if you can go home knowing that was the best I could do today, that I tried on every shot, that I because I honestly, as soon as I hit that putt by the hole, I had a bit of a flush of embarrassment. You know, a bunch of things went running through my oh, mind, yeah. like just what you know. By the way, petu, what'd you call it, petulant brat? Yeah, yeah, that's my uh, that's my Air Force call sign, petulant brat. Um, <laughs> but. You know, I had a flush that kind of, you feel like your face gets a bit red and. Yeah, embarrassed. A little embarrassed. You're like, fuck me. Here, am I going to three putt another hole? Like all that was going through my head. And I said, well, if I do, I'm not going to be, it's not going to be because I didn't mark the ball and line it up and go around and look at it. All the things I would do if I hadn't three putted at all.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: And, um, and, and making that putt left me with the feeling of, well, 78 is better than 79. It's not the 71 I think I could have shot, which is what I feel like, you know, sh- hitting 14 greens at my level. I would be around par most days. Yeah, exactly. But it was better than 70 freaking nine. Exactly. But, you know, again, uh, we've
1: ad infinitum. Come back to this one. It comes from an awareness piece. You caught yourself. You could easily have just gone down that slope of uh, petulant bratdom. Yeah. <laughs> but you went, no, I ain't, I ain't doing that. And, you know, that is just – you can pull that into your life in so many different ways. You know, you're having a um, – you know, you with uh, Rachel, uh, me with uh, Sandy, my wife, and, um, you know, because sometimes in which, well, things get tough in a relationship. And I could – I could get triggered and say some things okay. that I may really regret later. But if I have a sense of awareness, I go like, nope. You could just kind of? No, uh, Maybe just breathe for a second here. Just pause before you say that thing that leaped into your mind and went, nah, that would get me in a lot of trouble.
0: <laughs> um, Very wise words. You know, that situation I just described is very similar when, when we've hit a bad tee shot. When you hit a ball out of bounds, you know it's taken me a long time to synthesize that. Oh God! I got to start again because so many of us hit a bad. You know, so many will hit a ball out of bounds or in the water or wherever it is. And as I described, rush to get rid of that memory. The problem with rushing is now you're going to start exacerbating the issue. And uh, I really, really work hard when I hit a bad shot to make sure that the next one is just okay. Not great, just okay, because I've been that guy I described last night where I'm like, I wasn't mad, I just made a bad swing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well. Um, okay, Timber, uh, great job, everybody. Uh, I got to go. Um, good luck uh, to you, and um, thanks for the, uh, the putting uh, exercise I'm going to try today. You know, the funny yeah. thing is, I was telling Tim before the show, like, I've really worked hard. The last couple of weeks on my putting because my golf swing is kind of in a good place right now. I'm not, I'm not spending a lot of time hitting a lot of golf balls, but I've been working on my short game knowing I was going to play the back tees. I'll miss more greens, although that was irony last night that I hit my, you know, I hit way more greens than the guy <laughs> I played with. And he hit, you know, so, but in that working on the mechanics, I'm, I'm interfering with some of the natural, you know, motion. And uh, and uh, thank you for your uh, guidance. Yeah. So because you've done that work, now your body goes. Yeah, I, I got this. And so just stay out of the way and let your body do it. All right. So uh, we'll have a report on the uh, club championship. The last couple of years, I haven't made the cut. Because um, we have a three day tournament. Uh, last couple of years, I've missed the cut uh, by one, and I won't be the worst. You know. I- Listen, I'm not trying to say I don't. I don't really. Paul would hate this, but between us, I don't have much of a chance, but it is golf. You never know. You, you never, never know. know. You never
1: know. Yeah, no, it's 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 really hard, as you described. I mean, when you sit one night, like, 290 there, and, and you hit in a four, inning, and then the guys <laughs> yeah. you're playing with have a freaking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. That's tough. And that's what Mike Weir is, is yeah, for man. him. Now he's going to be able to just play with buddies, like on a Saturday morning and go, I can keep up
0: with you. Yeah, I had so many middle irons, four, five, and six irons to greens. Yeah, I hit 14 greens, but I would tell you, five or six of those were outside 40 feet. You know, yeah, the Absolutely. par threes, I can still get it within a good proximity. And I had a couple of good ones in close on the shorter par fours. But, uh, you know, the prick of it was on the first hole, which I had a wedge into, I hit it six feet, missed it. Beautiful putt, just missed. And on the back nine, same thing, short par four, hit it to seven feet, good putt, missed it. Those are the kind of things that I need. The, all those things have to go in mm-hmm. yeah, for me to compete because I'm going to be outside uh, from, you know, 190 yards into the wind. All right, Timber, you're the best. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. This is fun. Leaving meeting. Leaving meeting. Take care.
1: Bye-bye.